Welcome to the Practice Squad Sports Podcast, NBA edition today. I'm your host, Max Richardson, joined in studio by Rory Haps. Rory, how are you? I'm pretty well, thanks, Max. How are you going today? Yeah, I'm not too bad, actually, today. It's Friday. Um, now, we're going to get stuck into some NBA because the season is only just 12 days away. However, it felt it felt like that we haven't really had um, any time off from NBA, really. I mean, when you think about... Kind of the finals ended in June. Then we had big July 1 free agency straight into the draft, which was straight into Summer League. And then you throw in this year that we had the World Cup. Um, it just seems to be kind of a revolving thing. Yeah, it's been a uh, been sort of non-stop action to keep keep up with. So we've had the last couple of months, haven't, haven't been able to find the time to do an NBA podcast. So a little bit of, little bit of uh, news to catch up on, I guess. Well... Now that you mentioned it about news, do you want to talk about... I've got three things maybe we could talk about. We talk about straight away... Oh, actually, first, for today's pod, what we're going to do is we're going to do continue our um, divisional previews with the last two divisions that we've got to cover, being the Pacific Division um, and the Southwest Division, both in the Western Conference. Some pretty big teams um, I might add. However, firstly, a quick couple of events that have happened while we've been away. Um, World Cup... Uh, any surprises? Argentina winning without any NBA players? I think Argentina was the big surprise. Uh, Luis Scola maybe deserves another NBA contract Yeah. after that He looks very different with that short hair. Yeah, looks very different. He's looking very fit, looking very good. Um, had a very good World Cup. And Greece, a bit disappointing. I watched a couple of Greece games. Uh, I thought their coaching was pretty average. Didn't seem to be very interested in utilising... Giannis yeah. and there was a period of time when I think even against the United States when they were down uh, and Giannis sat for a large portion of the fourth quarter even though they were playing point differential to make it into the quarterfinals and they didn't end up making it and that could have been uh, one of the reasons why uh, Australia obviously had a pretty good run pretty yeah. proud of how we went um, yeah, Nick Kay really played really yeah, well. Yeah, a lot of and Jock Landau sort of mm. pulled it together as well. And of course, Paddy Mills was oh. unreal and robbed of a uh, <laughs> of a. There's this. There's some players like Kyrie when he doesn't have his shirt tucked in, and Paddy Mills in a international Paddy. Yeah, he's just unreal. Yeah. Um, but a bit unfortunate yeah. to not to get a medal after that sort of. No, a bit more controversy in yeah. there. Anyway, again. you did touch on controversy. Um, bit of an international saga, I'd say. Political. Um, obviously, Daryl Morey tweeted out last week about um, his support of Hong Kong. Um, do you have any thoughts or want to address this? I think it's quite an interesting situation and it's not really as black and white as a lot of people are making it out to be. Uh, there's a lot of talk about the NBA sort of this this seems like people are treating it as a bit of a proxy for whether the NBA supports, you know, free speech or not, which isn't really the case. Of course, the NBA are, are very lenient with their players and members of their organisation speaking out for political issues, particularly domestic issues, but even, uh, even in instances like Enes Kanter with Turkey, uh, the NBA sort of protected and worked with him quite well there. But there is the issue of Chinese... I heard this stat this morning. Uh, There were 500 million Chinese fans who watched at least one NBA game last season. That's larger than America. So that's quite a large market. And the ramifications for comments like that, particularly with such a sensitive country in China who are very uh, patriotic and very much, you know, want to maintain that image that they are one of the great countries in the world. Uh, It's not really as clear as just saying we also support free speech because you are losing a very large amount of revenue and unfortunately the NBA is a business. There, there are there are things that I don't agree with that the NBA has done, particularly releasing two statements. Yeah. Uh, one in English, which 
I know Adam Silver came out and said that he did. He was he he, he did apologize that there was some kind of communi- yeah. communication breakdown. But yeah, I mean, I think it's also compounded by the fact that the the other side of this argument, or not argument, the other side of this kind of situation is America, and that being the continual kind of China America kind of yes, feud. and that's a, that feud, that itself yes. is a relatively yes. fragile geopolitical situation and. Uh, you know, there are sort of issues that play into that as well. I mean, we could talk about this for all day. Um, I think we'll move on for now, unless you have anything else. No, no. Um, And just another thing that I wanted to touch on, uh, ESPN released their um, top players for the upcoming season. Um, Obviously a bit... uh, They liked it. They liked the debate. We should preface this by saying that ESPN's (laughs) rankings each year are somewhat intentionally yes. controversial um, and inflammatory. But they uh, ranked Giannis Antetokounmpo above Kawhi Leonard as their best player. Um, just kind of using this as a something to um, make an example, or not an example, but what do you, who do you think the best player in the NBA is? Uh, I would still probably lean towards Kawhi Leonard personally. I think what he managed to do with that Raptors team was sort of pretty incredible pretty uh i mean it's not to discredit the team that was around him which was a very well-built team as well but for him to be able to particularly against teams like philadelphia where you've got stars all around and uh milwaukee with Giannis as well which is a very difficult sort of defensive task um and with that injury Mm. as well it's pretty i just pretty unlike anything that we've ever seen yeah, I think I think I, I tend to agree um, and not only that is when we think about the best players is we want the best players to beat their, their closest rivals and yes. I mean you look at that series the Toronto v Milwaukee series the isolation possessions when Kawhi was on Giannis really kind of shut him down um, and there is still questions over Giannis's shooting and I mean Kawhi's yeah. definitely much more polished outside scorer Absolutely. than Giannis is I think um I, th- I do think that's something that Giannis will find over the next few years. You saw him start to develop it a bit towards the end of the season. Um, but I think this season you'll probably start seeing him taking four or so threes per game and hitting them at a relatively respectable rate. All right. Um, moving on. The Paci- we'll get started with our uh, divisional breakdown. We'll start in the Pacific. Um, this is a very kind of hotly contested division I would say particularly this year with the recent additions of the Clippers um, with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and also the LA Lakers Um, last year the Golden State Warriors won the division winning 57 games Um, the Clippers won 48 games Uh, the Lakers won 37 games and the Phoenix Suns rounded out the division winning only 19 games Um, I think we'll start there is it safe to assume that the Phoenix Suns are going to lose this division again uh I think so. I don't think. I think the Phoenix Suns will definitely be definitely be much more competitive than they were last year. But the the drop off between the next best team, who you would think would be Sacramento, um, and the Suns, is quite large. I can't see any way that Phoenix makes it to. 35, 36 wins, which yeah. I think would be what they would need to do. And I think they just they really didn't help themselves out in the offseason. I mean, no. they signed Ricky Rubio to such a large offer that they ended up having to give away um, TJ Warren just just to be able just, to sign Ricky Rubio. And which, that, was, that was a situation where, I think we've spoken about this before, that was a situation where they didn't really get anything in return for TJ no. Warren, who was a very talented young player who can develop into quite a good player as well. So that's definitely an asset that they sort of just threw away in the end. Um, And also the other kind of questionable move, or not questionable, but raised some eyebrows, was um, trading back in the draft to pick up uh, Cam Johnson and Dario Saric. I know you're a bit more of a draft nut. That wasn't really the pick, was it? No. I mean, they... Especially... Cam Johnson was a reach at 13, um, I don't think there's anyone else who was sort of in play to take him. It's sort of, to draw on a cross-sport comparison, it's sort of like the Bears trading up to draft Mitch Trubisky, who was on no one's radar that early in the first round. 
it's you're just sort of you know making it difficult for yourself when you're throwing away things throwing away assets and such when you don't need to um how do you see the top shaking out i mean um we touched on before we started that uh, paul george is going to be out till november does that give the lakers or even the golden state warriors a chance at winning the division or being the highest seed should i say I think um, I don't. I th- certainly think we shouldn't discount the Warriors. I think that they still have enough talent on that team uh, to win those fifty odd games. Fif- probably you'd probably need about fifty five to win that division. Uh, I personally think the Lakers will probably have a pretty s- tough start to the season. A lot of turnover in LA. Um, it's going to be new coach, new system, new superstars. And I think they'll probably. I wouldn't. I personally wouldn't be surprised if we saw them with a nine and ten, nine and eleven record to start off the season with. Uh, the Clippers. I mean, you could make the argu- same argument for the Clippers, but the thing about the Clippers is that they've managed to maintain a large core of their players um, and been able to bring in two superstars. Yeah, you noted perhaps before the podcast perhaps on the podcast, that Paul George won't be playing till November. Yes, yeah. Uh, so that's something to consider as well. I personally think the Clippers will win the division. I, th- I think they'll probably be a two seed in the West uh, behind the Utah Jazz. <laughs> uh, but I, I, would expect, I would expect it to be between the Lakers and the Clippers. Um, but I think the Warriors are certainly in play as well. Kind of looking further down the track, looking potentially at a playoff series, um, with the Clippers, I've kind of earmarked three players that I think will be playing down the stretch um, in playoff games, and that's obviously Kawhi, Paul George. And I've put down Landry Shamit because, um, I don't know, I think he's got shooting um, range that will keep him on the floor. Who are the other two guys? I mean, they've got Montrez Harrell, Pat Beverly, Jermichael Green, Mo Harkless... Not even to mention Lou Williams. There's a lot of guys there. Who's going to be, or even the other three, really, that that play down the stretch with Kawhi and George? Um, I think, I mean, it's somewhat situational, uh, depending on the matchup. I think you'll certainly see Montrez Harrell. He had an excellent season last year, and uh, I think he'll probably take another step this year. I think you'll probably see him in the mix there. Um, Just, Just quickly, do you think he has the capability to defend guys like... Um, Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic and Rudy Gobert? I think there's... Or they're going to have to put another big on, like well, Zubak? Or... It's difficult because for players like Anthony Davis, um, I mean, there's only so much you can do at the end of the day. I think that Montrez Harrell is a very sort of... He's very strong, he's very physical, and that's something that sort of... When you're playing defense you want to make people uncomfortable in that way you want to be physical you want to get them out of their comfort zone so that's that's something he can certainly bring and he's an excellent rebounder as well so you can probably limit those offensive rebounds with him on the floor as well uh lou williams i think is someone who's proven that he can be a playoff player and he's excellent coming off the bench and also gives him another ball handler as well yeah Um, another pick and roll ball handler that would and some shooting from outside um, which is probably what they need with those two big guys. Yeah, I think um, I think Mo Harkless. Yeah, would probably be the third. I think there there is potential for an interesting sort of small ballish lineup with someone like Mo Harkless, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, and then a lot of kind of versatile switchable bigs. Yeah, big wings. Yeah, which it, I mean, once again, it's situational in the matchup. But if you're playing someone like the Rockets, who have a lot of shooters or someone like the Warriors that's certainly there's certainly merit to having a lot of those players that are interchangeable on defense um yeah I I Jermichael Green will probably add a little bit but I, I would expect those three to be the sort of oh sorry Patrick Beverly is the other one who I think did I mention Patrick Beverly not yet yeah defensively speaking I mean that that's with with Patrick Beverly Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, those are three premium... First-team first Yeah, premium de- defenders. So um, that's already sort of creates difficulty. Um, across the arena, or on the other side of the arena, the Lakers, um, 
or what I did, sorry, before this pod, I'll just let everyone know, was I wrote down kind of the, the lineup that, the, that they would go to down the stretch. Um, and I just thought I'd run it by you to see what you think. So I've got for the Lakers, it's going to be LeBron, Anthony Davis, uh, Danny Green. As much as I hate it, probably Kyle Kuzma. Um, yeah. And the last spot, I had three three people earmarked. Um, Avery Bradley, Rajon Rondo, and a smoky dark horse, Alex Caruso. Interesting. I was thinking Quinn Cook ahead of Alex Caruso. But I do think I do think they'll probably play that uh in the playoffs they'll probably play that Anthony Davis, LeBron James, front, center power yeah. forward front court. Um and you'd see Kuzma slot in at the three, I think. Uh it depends. I certainly think Rondo is I know, has I know his in merits. preseason basketball he's been the one that's like kind of taking yeah, the control and he's, of the he's number one on their depth chart. I yeah. think that he has his merits uh, as a point guard. There's certainly sort of that experience factor as well. I don't think. I mean, I think we can rule out like Contavious Caldwell Pope, for yeah. example. Avery Bradley is. I think it would probably be between Rondo and Bradley personally. <clears throat> um, who else is in the division? Uh, sorry, the Sacramento Kings. That That is one of the surprises um, that I think potentially is the Sacramento Kings falling a couple of spots is my, my potential take. Um, they just didn't really seem to do anything and they gave away some kind of interesting contracts. I mean, they gave $40 million to Corey Joseph and $30 million, I think, to Dwayne Dedman. Um, mm. They re-signed Harrison Barnes for four years, 85 Um I mean, they got Trevor Ariza in, but uh, are you? What do you think about the Kings? Um, I mean, there are certainly a few interesting moves in the off season, but something that you do have to keep in mind is that this is a very young team, and with that young lineup, they did manage to win uh, thirty nine games last year. And you would expect some development. I mean, Buddy Hield is now turning quickly turning into one of the best shooters in the NBA. Darren Fox going into his third year, you'd expect him to probably take another step as well. Um, and Marvin Bagley is someone else who I'm keeping my eye on. Another person that I think it'll be interesting uh, will be Harry Giles. Yes. Uh, I think there's certainly potential for him to start making a real impact in the NBA. Yeah. I really want to see them experiment with that Giles Bagley front court. I mean, they've got a lot yeah. of kind of offensive versatility. They can pass out of the high post, um, they can screen and roll. Um, Bagley has shown a bit potentially to maybe shoot from the outside, um, but they just have kind of a lot of versatility. Um, the other thing that I will mention is that Buddy Hield is extension eligible. He's in that draft class that saw kind of um, Jamal Murray and Ben Simmons extended. Um, do you think that's something that will get done kind of before the end of the year, or is that something that's going to wait till the summer? Uh, the American summer, sorry, being next year. It depends. I certainly... They're in a bit of a tough situation because I certainly think there is room around the league for Buddy Heald to be possibly a max player somewhere down the line, even with this contract. But then you've also got players like De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley, who will also probably attract that sort of uh, value at some point. So I... Could definitely if they they could do a sort of one of the like a Jamal Murray sort yes. of deal and Just surprise everyone, ranks, yeah, um, and do it during the season. But it depends. It sort of depends where he thinks he's at as well. Uh, so it's a bit difficult to say. Um, breakthrough player, Harry Giles. Yes, I would say. Yeah, I've got that written down. Um, potentially another one, uh, Landry Shamit. I think um, could be really really poised for a big breakout year, particularly the way that um, Paul George and Kawhi kind of garner so much defensive attention is that Landry Sham is going to be open in the corner on a consistent basis. Um, divisional MB- MVP, I think there's, there's like five guys that could argue their case. Yes. I, I mean, mean, there's the two, there's obviously the two... so much talent in this division. There's the two in with the Clippers in, in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, the two Lakers, Anthony Davis and LeBron James, and just forgetting about... Stephen Curry, yeah, um, who I think has been kind of overlooked. With I was, I was gonna say if if I had to put money on anyone, um, even for MVP overall this season, I think I'm taking Stephen Curry because D 
this is a situation where he has to be that primary again, yeah. player again. And even preseason today, just casually dropping forty points. Yeah, um, twenty-five minutes. Yeah, so I think I think you'll start to see him scoring very very strongly again. Uh, and I, I I had him on my radar for MVP for the league this season. Yeah, I think I still really like Stephen Curry. Yeah. Um, however, the kind of versatility that Kawhi brings, um, and to an extent LeBron and Davis as well, is that they're just so gifted at both ends of the court um, that makes them kind of, I don't know, so unique um, in the sense. I, I think LeBron, he's had the most time off um, since that groin injury in his whole career now, so who knows what we're going to get. Um, potentially we could have kind of one of those LeBron years that we just see him play 82 games and, and score 28 points a game at 55% shooting. Um, and then Anthony Davis is a 25-year-old kind of power forward who's been um, bookmarked as potentially one of the greatest kind of two-way big men that we've ever seen. Um, he's kind of added a, a couple of dribbles. Um, I've seen him in some pre-season action kind of handling the ball a bit more. Um and I was listening. Oh, I was read, read read an article actually by Dave McMenamin from ESPN about kind of the way that LeBron wants to kind of give the reins over to Anthony Davis, um, and also to that extent is that Anthony Davis was kind of getting bored of just of winning games in New Orleans because people were like, "Oh, it doesn't really matter if you lose to them." But now all this pressure's on him, and he actually kind of seems to like it and wants that attention. So, I really think Davis um, could be the M- the MVP of this division. Um, but yeah, I, th- I I would tend to agree that Steph's going to have the opportunity um, to be able to win the even the overall MVP. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that we will probably see Davis. I think especially when you've got a situation where uh, LeBron will probably be the primary ball handler in LA, and I think this was mentioned in the same podcast as well. There's certainly room for LeBron to. Uh, make Anthony Davis the primary player in for the Lakers where he's structuring an offense around Davis. So I think that's something you'll probably see happening this season as well where they really u- using a Davis uh, and giving him, sort of using him as the first option, I guess. Yeah. A um, couple of other quick things on this division before we move on. Um, I've been seeing a lot recently um, and I ever since it's kind of happened is that potentially the Warriors were just signing D'Angelo Russell so they could move him, kind of have him as a stopgap before Clay Thompson got back. Um, I just want to kind of, just to preface that by saying that they got rid of two first-round picks and Andre Iguodala, kind of a oh, earmarked defender of the league. Um, I really don't think they're going to move on from him. Um, I think they're really trying to develop that core again with um, Steph Russell and Clay Thompson when he gets back and then you throw in Draymond Green. Um, another thing, uh, did the Lakers make the wrong decision by trading Brandon Ingram over Kyle Kuzma? Uh, I mean, there's a couple of factors that play into this, particularly Brandon Ingram's health, which has come under question, particularly towards the end of last season. I think given that uh, at the time... Trading Ingram over Kuzma was probably the better call, but I certainly think there is. I think Ingram's a higher ceiling player, um, and Kuzma's a very talented player. But I'm I'm much less in love with Kuzma than others. <laughs> Mostly, there's there's. I think Kuzma had a very favorable sort of situation last season, particularly in terms of shooting. Um, I don't think he was as good a shooter as people might think. Uh, I can't remember the statistic, but there was a particular statistic that I had in mind. Yeah, he's a very high-volume shooter, Carl yeah. Um, um So I th- I think that if it were me, I probably would have valued Ingram higher, but it's, I think at the time, given the narrative around Ingram and Kuzma, I think it was probably... Um, a name I just brought up before was Andre Iguodala, um, currently still on the Memphis Grizzlies. If he is bought out, who, if you're Andre Iguodala, who would you rather go to in this division? I mean, you could, if you had the choice of the those big three, Clippers, Lakers, and 
Warriors. Who do you, who would you pick if you were Iguodala? Uh, probably the Lakers. Uh, I don't think I don't think the Warriors. I'm not sure if there's any love lost between the two, but I just don't think that the Warriors would. Um, I don't think he would choose the Warriors, and there's much more room on the Lakers for him to make an impact, uh, especially as a marquee defender. Uh, that's that's an area where they'll probably need a little bit of help, particularly during the regular season when I think we can expect that LeBron might take a few possessions off here and there. Um, whereas I think the Clippers, that's that's such a t- stacked roster outside of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. So I think it'd be hard to sort of break through and be able to make a big impact, especially midway through the season once they've found their rhythm. Yeah, I tend to go. I think he would fit fit in a lot nicer at the Lakers. Um, one final thing um, that I just wanted to touch on was because both the LA teams gave up so much in the offseason and because they're kind of so hamstrung now is that it kind of is going to create an issue where they're not going to be able to upgrade their roster kind of halfway through the season. Do you think that's a problem or do you think they should have kind of foreseen that? Or you just kind of, you don't worry about that because you're getting Anthony Davis and Paul George in their respective arguments? I think it'll be a problem for the Lakers, if if either of them, I think for the Lakers. Um, they only really have one asset left now and it's Kyle Kuzma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's also just the way that that team's been constructed there's certainly room for them to need more help because they're not they're not an incredibly deep team. Um, I don't think I think the Clippers will be fine. They've still got so much young talent, and I personally think they drafted pretty well as well, picking two relatively NBA ready players in Fiondu Kapangali and Terence Mann. Uh, but I think also just the way that just given the depth in that team, I think they'll probably be, and also the stability relative to the Lakers, at least they'll probably be much better off in that sense. Okay. Um, well, just to kind of recap, I mean, we talked about Phoenix probably going to lose the division. Um, breakthrough player, potentially Landry Shamit and uh, Harry Giles. You had earmarked. Um, divisional MVP, we both kind of agreed that uh, Steph Curry was the guy. Yep. Um, I'm going to differ on the who's winning it because I think the Lakers will win the division. Um, not sure why, just buying into LeBron AD. Um, yeah. But you still, I mean, you sticking with... I'm sticking with the Clippers. Clippers. I think, I mean, obviously LeBron AD is certainly a very attractive argument to make. Um, but I think that there will be... I think they'll probably get off to a little bit of a slow start and... There will be games where LeBron's perhaps not... I just think given the stage that he's at in his career, we've started to see him, particularly in the regular season, try and preserve himself for the playoffs, which is completely understandable. Uh, So I think there'll be games where he's probably not fully there. Um, And I I just think given the stability around the Clippers as well, I think they'll probably be able to pull it together pretty quickly. Yeah. All right. Well, that's enough for the Pacific Division. Um, We'll move over to the Southwest Division. Um, Last year, there were three teams uh, that finished with a record of 33 and 49. Dallas, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, and New Orleans Pelicans. Um, The San Antonio Spurs won 48 games, and the Houston Rockets won 53 games. Um, Of those three teams that won 33, who's going to make the biggest leap? I think the Dallas Mavericks is probably the clear choice here. Um, I think Memphis will probably regress a little bit, if anything. And I'm just... There's been so much change in New Orleans. It's really hard to tell how, like, what they will end up being. Um, They're getting a lot of love for that eight seed. Yeah, they are. But I just don't think you can rely on such a... You know, it's it's a very newly constructed team. I, they've got Drew Holiday, who's stayed from last season, and JJ Redick. JJ, well, he's a new player. Oh, sorry, as well. you mean from last year? Yeah, yeah. So it's like it's like Drew Holiday, yeah. and then 
Etuan more. Um, so I think there'll be a sort of a bit of a learning curve in that sense as well. Uh, Dallas, I mean, the thing about Dallas is it sort of depends on how Porzingis makes it through the season. I think we'll probably see him get off to a hot start. He traditionally gets off to a pretty hot start. So I think they'll probably start to get a lot of love in that sense. But that Porzingis-Doncic combination, those are two very good, talented European players who can make big impacts. And then when you put them together, that's something that Memphis and particularly something that New Orleans don't really have. Do you think given the success of what Toronto did with Kawhi that we could see Dallas perhaps do the same kind of load management with Porzingis or do you think he's fully right to go? Uh, I I mean, I should preface this by saying I haven't okay. been keeping Sorry, up I'm heaps mean, I'm more, I mean more with the his kind situation. of premise. Yeah, yeah I think there's of... certainly potential for that. Um, from what I know, I think he's pretty good to go yeah. at this point. I it looks don't... like he's put on 10 kilos as well. Yeah. Um, and, but there is obviously, there is that sort of, he hasn't played a full NBA season in a long time. He hasn't played in the NBA in a long time. Um, so there is that sort of, you know, playing 82 games is very, very large load to be putting on your body. So I think there's certainly a reason for them to take caution in that sense. Um, we saw in New York that he was kind of particular about playing the four, um, do you think that uh, Rick Carlisle is going to kind of continue that, or do you think you'll see Pozingas play the five? Uh, I think the way that their roster is constructed, I think primarily he'll probably play the four. I think Dwight Powell has had a he had a very good season last year, and I th- certainly think that he has developed into a starting center in the NBA. So I think there's they've got that sort of backstop in the center position in Dwight Powell. Um, which would who would probably make it into their starting lineup in most situations anyway? Yeah, um, I did. Ha- I ha- I wrote down once again. I thought um, think Dallas will run out Doncic, uh, Seth Curry, um, probably um, Dorian Finney-Smith. I think at the three, um, and then Porzingis and Powell are the two front court players. Um, do you expect anything from Tim Hardaway or Courtney Lee, or can we expect anything from those two players? I think it'll be interesting to see what they do with Tim Hardaway. I think he's got a bit of smoky six-man-of-the-year potential. He's a very good scorer, can find his own shot very well. So there's, I think that him coming off the bench and leading that bench squad has a lot of potential, but it'll be interesting to see whether he's starting or not. Um I'm not sure what they'll do about that. They did have a very kind of uh, fun and energetic bench unit last year with guys like Maxi Cleaver and um, <coughs> and Tim Hardaway and JJ. It was really kind of mm. run and gun, fun, like above the break. Dwight Powell's obviously pretty athletic. Um, so who? So you said? So we think Memphis probably going to lose the division? I think so. I think th- I don't. There's, there seems to be a little bit of a gap between them and, I would say, personally, New Orleans. Yeah, they but, just um, seem very young as well. I mean, they Yeah, they and that's the thing. They've of sort hope. of, from last season, they've moved... I mean, they moved Mike Conley and they moved Marcus Gasol halfway through the season, but still. Um, and there's a lot of... I think there'll be quite a learning curve mm. in that team as well. Um, ja Morant? Thoughts? I think he'll be an excellent player. It should be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. He's a very he's a very energetic, very athletic player. I think that pairing with um JJJ, Jaron Jackson Jr. will be pretty good as well. I think that's sort of there's potential for quite a long defensive yeah. uh, team. I mean, and then you throw in Jay Crowder who they got um from the Jazz as well. He's, he's a very great good defender. defensive player. Um Andre Iguodala is still on the roster um, yeah. as of today. So, and it looks and like even even someone like Brandon Clark, who yes. was an excellent defender in college, yeah. can slot in. I've re- yeah, I've got him written down here as someone to really watch. Um, Grayson Allen as well, <laughs> whether he floats your boat or not. He had a really good dunk the other day. Did he? I I I happy to accept NBA Grayson Allen. <laughs> college Grayson Allen can go fuck himself. <laughs> um. 
Well, I think we'll move on to kind of the the main player in this division, or the, probably the most hotly debated, I would think, and that's the Houston Rockets. Um, obviously, last year or throughout the off season, they made that big trade, effectively swapping Chris Paul for um, Russell Westbrook to put him with go alongside James Harden. Um, do you think it's going to work? I mean, I've I've gone on record before and said I'm all in. I think it's going to work, but I th- I think you can always. I mean, with that much talent, I think you can always find a way to make it work. Um, it'll be interesting. I mean... The, the one kind of thing that I have is that, like, Daryl Murray is, like, pegged for being... Like, he's all about efficient basketball. He's all about the most efficient things and, like, finding the inefficiencies. And then he's gone and signed, arguably, the most inefficient NBA player. But I think the whole premise of Murray Ball is that when you have the chance to get a superstar or even just a player who could possibly make your team better, you do that. Mm. Um, That's sort of how he's always constructed his teams. The other thing as well um, that I just want to make a mention of, particularly with Harden, is that there has been kind of this commentary that they're not going to have enough spacing because the way Russell doesn't really shoot the ball. But, I mean, when you consider... James Harden thrives off actually not having space. Like he's Yeah, I don't see that as an issue. There is, I mean... They both have to do something when they don't have the ball. They both, like, traditionally don't do much when they don't have the ball. Yeah. That's the thing that's probably going to, I don't know, hinge their season on, I guess, is that when they don't have the ball, are they, what are they doing? Are they running around screens? But even in that sense, you've still got Eric Gordon and PJ Tucker, who can stretch the floor a lot, and then Clint Capella, obviously um, a very good pick-and-roll player, and you can't exactly, you know, you've got to keep an eye on him as well not from three point range but mm. uh, and I think Russell will like he, he's not an excellent he had a terrible three point shooting season last year I think it'll be interesting to see if he rebounds from that at all um, and the thing that I'm really interested in seeing from him is whether he can bring back that sort of um, that stop jump shot mm. Uh, because that was one of that was one of his most sort of explosive and effective tools, which you sort of saw fall away a bit, and that's 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 been something that's been part of his career for a long time. So I think that it'll be interesting to see if he can sort of bring that back, and if he brings that back, then you can't. He's such a good driver, and it's so difficult to guard him one-on-one. So that already sort of creates some issues for the offense. I don't, I don't think that it's going to be an issue. I think they'll make it work how long it takes. I mean, this is a team that got off to a very slow start last year and they still pulled it together. So how long it takes will be interesting, but um, I don't think they'll have any issues in the long run. Um, I'm going to think, I'm going to say that I think they're going to win the division. Are you, I, yeah, I, would probably agree with you. I don't think the They're, Spurs are quite there. Um, I have. I think the Spurs will make the playoffs, but I, they're not. They're not going to win. You know, fifty three, fifty five games sort of region. Their season um, total win is fifty three and a half games for this year, and they won fifty three games last year. And we both kind of tend to agree that they've gotten better. What is kind of the other kind of knock on? Houston is it they're just people are just kind of I think it's always change um I think it's and that I mean that's a personal thing as well I'm not sure if people always take that into account but I think for me you for me I feel like I always notice a slow start from teams that have had a lot of structural change and bringing in a new point guard who is the polar opposite of Chris Paul Mm. uh is a lot of structural change from a team that probably won't change their system all that much. Um, so I think that's certainly an argument in that they'll probably get off to a little bit of a slow start and figure it out as they get go along the way. Um, you mentioned them before, the San Antonio Spurs, your team. Yes. <laughs> um, last year they won 48 games. Um off-season a bit of controversy, would you say, regarding uh, a particular Morris brother? Yeah, fuck I mean, Marcus Morris. Yeah. What what he did the other day, I just think it's just foolery, really. He just the looks thing, like a if it, clown. Look, the main... 
I'm uh. happy that I don't have Marcus Morris on my team. <laughs> but the thing that's really upsetting about that is that we tra- traded away Davis Bertans, who's yeah. an incredible three-point shooter and was very good con- contributor because we couldn't pay him because mm. we were bringing in Marcus Morris. <laughs> so it's just... It's a bit souring because I feel like he's a bit of a fan favourite yeah. as well and we had to lose um, out on him. I spoke about earlier before uh, Buddy Heald being extension eligible. There's a San Antonio sport, Spur that was in that same draft class. Deontay Murray? Yes, Murray. Um, any update? Is he getting one? Are they waiting? I haven't heard anything. I think the main... Wait and see kind of with this injury. Yeah, I think the first contract or the contract that will be most in the spotlight for the DeRozan. Spurs will be DeRozan um, and I think it's a bit early to say with Murray I think I think that he's gonna I'm very optimistic about him I think he's incredibly ta- talented he looks better than ever um, mm. he looks strong he looks like he's looks incredibly athletic and I think he's gonna have an excellent season but I think it's a bit early to sort of, particularly for someone who who just missed the year. True. Um, um, T. Rich Paul client. Sure. I have a feeling he is. Um, that might be something to watch. DeRozan, do you think they could kick the tires on a on a looking at a trade? Do you think they could ask around? Uh, I would be if if I was Buford. I'm not sure. I think that. Do you think he has value? What what do you what do you think DeMar well, DeRozan's his, value? His value certainly dropped. Yeah. Um which is interesting because he's still like he can still get you 24 points a game. Yeah, he's such a I feel like Do you think that's kind of been um I think it's sort of a comparison to Kawhi personally. Yes, I was about to say that. His, yeah. Has it been kind of blown up more now that we've saw Kawhi go in there and just yeah. take it to another level? But DeMar DeRozan is still I would argue a top 20 player in the league at least um, and his scoring is incredible and that's that's within a team that sort of changed their structure last year to include him as a scorer so if it's I certainly think he'll probably have a better season than last year this season I think there'll be a b- bit more sort of chemistry around um, I'm optimistic about this season I think that you'll see Lonnie Walker take a step step up I think you'll see Demar uh, Deontay Murray take a step up and Derek White even producing at what he produced that last season would be very good yes um, yeah, I've got him um, Derek White written down for a potential breakout even yeah the other one that I would keep an eye on as well is Bryn Forbes Bryn Forbes yeah um, so I think there's a lot of young talent on that team and I feel like I'm f- I feel like at least 47 48 wins is what I'm looking at. I think they'll go over the 46 and a half. Um, um, and I think they'll make the playoffs. What are your thoughts on Tim Duncan's current hairstyle? <laughs> He's currently rocking some pretty uh, pretty red reds. It's got kind of cropped into a man bun. Tim Duncan <laughs> is the greatest gift that this world has ever seen. Uh, um, what about the rookie? Uh, Lucas... Lu- uh, Samanich? Luka Samanich. Yeah. Uh, Luka. Yeah, I think that's probably a bit of a development situation. The project. Uh, I think a project. I don't think you'll see him get a lot of minutes. I think out of the out of the rookies, I think you might see someone like Keldon Johnson get a few more minutes this season. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. I know someone like like Chimezi Metu barely played last season. There were a lot of DNPs for him. <laughs> so I think that's sort of the situation that we're looking at with him as well. Um, from this division, any other breakout players that you had written down or um, can think of? Uh, let me just have a quick think. <laughs> well, I've got I we just touched rosters. on one before, but Brandon Clark for me, um, bit of more of a mature player, three year starter I think at Gonzaga. Um, so really coming into the league with a bit more of an NBA ready body, um, plays above the rim, um, gets out on the break. Uh, great rebounder has shown the ability to shoot from deep um, and I just really like the way he goes about it um, you spoke about two Spurs that I had written down as well in DeJounte Murray and Derek White um, Murray I think he's just for his defensive potential um, you look at the way he moves on defense with those long arms um, his switchability I think is going to be a real asset um, to pop and hopefully 
if him and if him and Bryn Forbes or Derek White are on the court together, is Murray again? Does Murray bring the ball up? Is Murray the one initiating the offense, or is Murray more a play off the ball on offense, but play on the ball on defense? I think you'll probably see Murray as the primary ball handler, um, and I think that's sort of in terms of development. I think that that's what the Spurs really, as an organization, really want to see him sort of develop into that primary ball handler. Um, a few other breakouts that I had my eye on. Uh, I think Grayson Allen will certainly get a lot of opportunities in Memphis. Uh, and Justin Jackson for Dallas as well. I think there's sort of potential for him to be quite a contributor off the bench. And it'll be interesting to see how Jakob Pertl plays this season as well. Didn't really get as much of a chance uh, last year to make an impact. Um but I think he'll certainly get a few more minutes this season and be that that leading centre for us. I think there was, I mean, there is potential in crunch time for them for the Spurs to switch in sort of Rudy Gay and play a little bit smaller in that sense. But I think you'll see Jakob get an up, uptick in minutes, and he's a very talented young player who who is also one of those players who the Spurs are quite excited about as well. The one team in this division that we haven't really talked about yet. Um, is the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, obviously had Anthony Davis for eight years, I think I believe, um, and traded him for a mammoth haul of draft picks and young players, um, most notably Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram and Josh Hart. Um, obviously had the number one pick drafted, Zion Williamson signed Derek Favors or traded for Derek Favors, should I say, in the offseason. Um, re-signed JJ Redick and they've kind of or they appear that they're trying to do a rebuild on the fly. Um, GM David Griffin was, from the get-go, has always said that he's not trading Drew Holiday, and Drew Holiday's the the face of the franchise. And for me, I think that's a really good kind of way of doing it. It's taking all this pressure off Zion. Um, Now he doesn't have to worry about being the guy because Griffin has come out and um, been so public about this being Drew's team. And I think that's going to do great things for Zion. Um... I think adding a guy like JJ Redick, kind of a consummate professional, um, into that locker room is really going to help those young guys. Um, Lonzo Ball looks like he's taken a step in the offseason, really kind of looks to have fixed his mechanics a bit on his shot. Um, Brandon Ingram had that bit of a scare towards the back end of last year with those blood clots, but I think he's earmarked for a big breakout year, Brandon Ingram. Um, I like the way he scores the ball, moves on offense, um, and I think he's going to get a lot of opportunity. Yeah, I think so as well. Um, the, I mean, the Pelicans have had a dream of an off season, ranging from getting the number one pick with a you know six percent chance of doing so, um, to also just what they've been able to get in return for Anthony Davis has been huge. And I know that I was certainly a bit surprised. Well, not necessarily surprised, but a bit sort of dumbfounded, I guess, uh, would be the best word to use, seeing as the Lakers knew that he Anthony Davis was probably going there anyway in a year. So I think they got finessed a bit. Um, they also seem to, so far, have hit on Alexander Walker, who seems yeah. to be a bit of a darling um, post-draft. I think that the move that really impressed me with Derek Favors, uh, I think he's such a versatile and efficient player, uh, a professional, someone who can work with Zion as well and really show him the ropes of being a big man in the NBA. Obviously, in terms of their games, not doesn't really match up, but in ter- like post moves, Derek Favors is an excellent operator in the post and has, certainly has knowledge that he can lend to someone like Zion. Also, just while you're talking about Derek Favors, um, potentially a great salary cap filler for um, Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal to the Pelicans for all those picks and Derek Favors as a filler. Maybe one of those young players like Lonzo Ball. Yeah, I. it seems a bit... Far-fetched? A bit premature, I would okay. say. I mean, just... Just because the Pelicans wouldn't expect to go deep in the playoffs this season, um, and and 
that sort of trade is something that would mostly seem to make sense when you're looking for that extra piece to win a championship, um, to me at least. So, uh, I think, I personally think Lonzo will have a really good season Mm. this year. And I think that as is the case in LA, everyone sort of discounted him far too early. He mentally seems I think mentally this is the best that most focused that he'll be all season. Yeah, and I suppose just kind of getting out of that LA spotlight, particularly out of the spotlight of his family as well, seems yeah. to have really kind of that's had surreal. a profound um, impact on him um this off season. I don't know if you listen to the podcast of him yes. with yeah, it was very Which, kind of eye-opening, I guess, or ear-opening. Yeah, and it seemed it seemed like he's sort of he was being he's matured quite critical of his father. With I mean, without being necessarily critical, I would say, but he seemed like he was very excited about the prospect of sort of being able to take his career in his own hands and doing the right things. And I think that I think I'm a big fan of his. Um, probably wasn't just due to the whole circus <laughs> yeah. a few years ago, but I'm, I'm very impressed with how he's sort of dealt with things. And I, I think he's going to have an excellent season this year as well. Um, now the next kind of topic or talking point I want to bring up is um, something that's kind of close to my heart because I also had a fellow number one pick Ben Simmons. Um, and this relates to Zion Williamson. Um, everyone's seen the highlight dunks and that was kind of the same thing with Ben Simmons the first two years of his NBA career. And then kind of after that second year, everyone was kind of like, oh, okay, like dunks are cool, but when are you going to start being able to shoot the ball? Are we in this kind of grace period with Zion where we're kind of like overlooking the fact that he doesn't really shoot it and potentially in a couple of years' time, we're going to have the same situation? Because I think it's going down that path. Everyone seems to be overawed. Like you saw that shot chart the other day where he had a preseason game where he went 12 of 13 and every one of them was in the restricted area um I'm not sure I think that I don't know if you're going to like this but I think that Zion has a different he's ethic, a, work ethic I think. that's what I was going to say especially because um I mean noticeably in college obviously Ben Simmons didn't have exactly the greatest college career wasn't on the best team uh, but Zion was sort of, in terms of that team, was running through walls for that team. Um, and I'm not sure if he will necessarily need it as much as Ben Simmons either. He's not going to be that primary ball handler like Ben Simmons. Uh, he's so big and strong, he can operate in the post. And if he can get a mid-range jump shot and stretch the floor a little bit in that sense. I certainly think that'll be effective as well. But Ben Simmons, a lot of what he's, he does starts outside the three-point line when he's bringing up the ball, which is one of the reasons that he needs to be able to stretch the floor in that sense as well. Because if you can sag off the point guard and clog the paint in that sense, especially when you have someone like Joel Embiid inside, it makes things a lot more difficult than they should be. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. I just wanted to bring up the fact that they have kind of similar attributes in that they're number one picks both extremely athletic big um a lot of downhill basketball playing yeah um divisional mvp who's the best player in this division i think you probably have to say it's james harden um is there is there an argument to anyone but james harden does anyone else have an argument probably not um if there was anyone you'd probably have to be Porzingis or Russell Westbrook yeah I just think he'll take a backseat to Harden is the only thing um I mean Porzingis certainly has the potential to just be what he was except a few years older and a few years wiser um I a bit of a homer Pick, but I think Lamarcus Aldridge is another one. Yeah, that certainly has potential he kind of there as well. Doesn't he? He really Marcus does. Um, and I don't. I think that's a product of both the way he plays and his career, and also the fact that he's a spur. Um, yeah. But but he was he had a very good season last season. Got got an All Star nod. Mm. Um, but I think that he'll probably lead the team again this year. Um, winning the division. I know I I touched on it earlier, but I had written down that I think Houston's going to win um, and I think they're going to win closer to 60 games than they are 50 um, would be my 
Matt? Uh, I think it's hard to look past Houston in this sense. I don't know if I'd go as far as... I don't think they'll win 60 games. Perhaps 56-57. I certainly think they'll go over the 53.5 that their line is. But uh, I I think they're just a step above everyone else, at least. I think they're a step above the Spurs, who are a step above everyone else. Um, New Orleans and Dallas... Uh, are both earmarked around the forty win mark? Um, would we? Who would we? Mo- who would we be most surprised by, out of those two teams, winning fifty games? Who would be the more likely? Uh, I think New Orleans would be the most surprising. Yeah. One, I think, given the, the uh, ch- yeah, just so much turnover. I think the the Mavs have kept it a lot more together, um, and the addition of Pazinga. Pozingas obviously will make a big difference as well. So I still think 50 wins for the Mavs is a bit of a far cry, but I it'd be much more surprising to me if the Pelicans won 50. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anything else on this division? Um, I think it'll be an interesting division. I think it's a, quite a difficult division. Uh, and a lot of... I mean, every team is competitive, at least. I mean, Memphis obviously will probably take a bit of experience and whatnot before they start winning those games that they need to be winning. But I think that there's a lot of competitive teams and it'll be sort of, you know, when you're playing every team four four games a season, that's a lot of tough games. Um, Quick bit of trivia. Who's the Memphis Grizzlies coach? (laughs) I I didn't know this as well. I just literally just looked it up. Um, Because they... They, they don't have bigger staff anymore. They don't have... It's Taylor Jenkins. I wouldn't have, <laughs> wouldn't have been able to just, get that. I think it just kind of goes to show about about how much content NBA puts out, or not puts out, but yeah. happens, and it's just so often you just gloss over it. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's pretty much going to do it. Anything else from a kind of basketball perspective or more a league kind of overview that you're looking forward to, perhaps, or something that's upcoming, or anything, any... Um, any NBA really uh, I mean looking forward obviously Clippers Lakers opening night will be quite an exciting uh, match up to start off with very much looking forward to the season I know that we've got hopefully something else planned yes. before the season starts if we can pull <laughs> it together two, it's the other two who can get it together uh, but I think it'll be I think it'll be one of the most interesting seasons that we've had I mean just the anticipation, particularly, I think, not knowing who's coming out of at least one conference, if not both, for the first time in probably, you know, 10 or so years, yeah. uh, it's exciting. So I, it, it really feels like anything could happen mm. sort of thing. Um, for me, on a little side note, I'm really uh, impressed and happy with seeing Mark L. Fultz back on the court. He um, looks great. Yeah, he looks really good. He looks really fit. Seems to yeah. have uh, lost a bit of weight. Yeah. Obviously, still a few issues with his mechanics on his shot, but I mean, offensively, um, he can get wherever he wants on the on the court with the ball. He just kind of seems to float over the court. So that's something that I have been watching and yeah. really glad I'm really, to see. I think that he'll. I'm very excited for him and Orlando as a team. I'm not sure if I held this opinion when we did <laughs> the uh, Southwest pod, uh, Southeast Southeast podcast. Sorry. But I think that they might win that division. Wow! Um, and possibly a four or five seed. I think. Yeah. Th- I think that they're very talented, and I think defensively, yeah. even with especially with Fultz as well. And obviously, of course, super excited for the Sixers because I think we're in for a massive year. And Should I'm be all in. Yeah, all I think in. it'll be a good, a very, yes. very fun team to watch as well. Um, and just kind of looking around the league in more general sense, there's probably nine or ten players that could kind of make a fair argument for being the best player in the league. And I don't think we've kind of seen that um, for maybe 10 years or so. And that's, yeah, and that's not including um, someone like Kevin Durant as well, who I think the interesting thing that I've been thinking about is that if Durant didn't uh, tear his Achilles, he, I might've had him as the best player in the league. He was looking unstoppable. Um, But yeah, I think I think the MVP race will be quite interesting this season as well. I don't think, I mean, someone like Kawhi probably won't play enough to 
get in the conversation, but I think you'll see Steph Curry come back into the fold, as I've mentioned. Giannis, obviously, um, and James Harden. But then there's just such an array of people who could be, like Joel Embiid, for yeah. example, certainly. Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis. Um, Nikola Jokic. I just, it's it's mm. an exciting season. I think and it's going to be an there's potential that we know it's narrative-driven that someone like Carl Towns could well, put yeah, up, could as put well. up 20 and, and 15. The narrative-driven is actually why I think Stephen Curry will win it. Because um, Giannis won it last year. I don't think the narrative will have come around on Harden enough. Yeah. This year. So I think, I think that, I just think there's such a strong narrative around Curry, you know, all of his troops falling behind and he's the only one standing and he's still able to sort of will, him, will his team to a five or six seed. I just think it's... And score, you know, 35 points per and game. And he has that kind of likability. Yeah. Fan likability yeah, about absolutely. him. absolutely. makes people want to room. Anyway, that's going to do us for today. Um, thanks, Rory. Uh, Thank you. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, review. Um, that'd be great uh, wherever you listen to our podcast, but make sure to review on Apple Podcasts. Um, we'll probably be back before the NBA season looking at maybe an NBA prediction over under um, podcast. Yeah, and it should be, should be a, a big one. Yes, yeah. We're looking forward to that. And obviously, Jared and myself continuing the fourth and goal um, march. As we- it was nice to hear you um, lay off Baker a little bit. Actually, I was, I was pleasantly surprised when you mentioned the fact that he doesn't have an offensive line and the play calling has been atrocious. <laughs> well, that's a story for another day. But once again, thank you for listening um, and go Sixers. Go Spurs.